Welcome to Opt In with April Jasper, relevant conversations about topics important to eye care providers today. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. We appreciate being a part of your life and being invited into your day. It is such a joy to be able to help our colleagues to bring value to their patients and to help you strengthen and grow your business. Join us at optometricmanagementeducation.com where you can learn more about all of the other services we provide. We have a subscription service that you can be a part of where you can learn and teach your team from the courses that we've recorded on all of the topics that are relevant to your success. We also have consulting services. And right now, if you give us a call, schedule a call with me, I'll be happy to talk to you about what we can do to help you grow your business one-on-one. Hi, everyone. We are excited to be back and talk about something that really has been on your minds. I love, David, that people are listening and they are interested in the conversations. We promised them real and relevant and authentic conversations. So what do you want to talk about today? Oh, man. How about the team? Yeah, that's a that's a challenging one and challenging because it's just it's not an easy time to find the right people. Correct. And you don't want to just hire anybody, but you know, and I know, we know that our complete success is due to everyone on our team. It is not David and I. So, um, what you do hear, we do? So you hear all these phrases going around today, right? What's the yeah. the quiet quitting, the the gray resignation? So, yeah. let's dive into that a little bit. How about we uh, go there? We we talked a little bit, I think, about this whole thing called the great resignation, and I think that. What And I've written about it as well. Mm -hmm. And so what I appreciate about the term, and let me just make sure we're all on the same page with what it means. So to me, it just means that there was an influx of people that decided after COVID and the shutdown and being home and realizing that life could be different than what maybe it had been, that they wanted to do things different. And so they may have resigned from the job they had to do a different job or maybe to go, we've got friends who got in an RV and left and they're going around the world, I mean, around the country. So I don't know exactly what everybody's doing, but I think that what the best I understand and for our conversation today, it means that people realize that there was something they wanted that was different. So I guess, why would people do that? Right, so it seems like they're not just that, but they they wanna do less of what they were doing. Right. So it's it's time it's it's that and it's the effort that they're putting into it and it's also how much can they I mean how fulfilled are they with the whole thing with right. their job with what they're doing today right sure yeah and I think it could mean that you go back to Jim Collins and his book Good to Great and he talks about getting the right people on the bus getting the wrong people off the bus right and then getting the right people in the right seats correct and so you know that's an old book. But at the same time, very relevant to, t- very. to today. Yeah. And I think what happened as far as the great resignation is it was that, that people that were the owners or the managers were having to find the right people and get them in those right spots. And that was that book. It was all about that. But then what happened is people decided, maybe there's something else I want to do with my life. And maybe this isn't bringing me purpose. They weren't passionate about what they were doing. And to your point, David, they weren't spending enough time doing the things that were of true value. Right. But not only that. So, I mean, from what I've read about it, too, it shows that they're they're actually trying to do less. They're trying to spend less time 
And I, so to me, it's like, how do you get fulfilled in something if you're not going to put your whole heart and soul into something to try and, if right. you're not going to make your job, if you don't enjoy your job and you don't want to spend time at your job and you don't want to try and do the best job that you can, it's going to yeah. be a, it's going to, you're going to have a tough time. Well, I think that's where the phrase quiet quitting came from. And that's why they keep, people keep developing these new phrases and new things and what we've seen about that, and who knows what, you know, it means a lot of things. I've seen right. it in, in writing and even just, you know, the other day somebody said it meant something different than someone else. But here's what I think that people are saying when they say it. Quiet quitting goes back to what you were talking about, which is the whole concept of, okay, I'm going to stay here and work because you need a human to be here on the team, but I'm only going to give it the bare minimum and I'm not going to give it all my heart. And it makes me sad even to hear that because I know as a human, there is nothing I would want less in my life than to just be there. Right. It's not fair to anybody around you, but mostly it's not fair to you. You will be a different person. You will be unfulfilled. You will be um, having all kinds of challenges in your life because you know you're not making a difference in people's lives. So if that's what it means to someone, that would be awful. And here's the the biggest part of this, I don't want one of those people on my team. And so that brings us back to what's how, the first step? Yeah, what is yeah, the, first, what's the step? first step? first step in finding somebody that you want to be your employee? Right. So you know, I got my first good piece of advice or, or information on this back in the uh, oh my gosh, a long time ago, I forget, you know, we don't feel that old, but probably 15 years ago, I was reading a book by Lee Cockrell, who was who is a retired Disney executive, vice president. He wrote a book called The Customer Rules. And in this book, and I took some notes to make sure that I had it straight, he said, he talks about this process of hiring the right people. Mm -hmm. He spent an entire chapter on what he called motivation-based interviewing. Yep. You remember that day? Absolutely. So of course I couldn't stop talking about it. I had to tell David all about it. And then I did all this research. I found motivation-based interviewing yep. is a concept and a whole strategy developed by a person. Her name is Carol Quinn. She lives right down the road from us. Yep. And she's written her own books. You can actually look up the whole concept. It's on www higherauthority.com. H-I-R-E. Yes, thank you. Not H-I-G-H. <laughs> exactly. And so... She goes through this entire process of how you can be certain that you get the best people. And yep. by the best people, she calls them, and I love this term. There's two different ways I've seen it in print, high performers or high achievers. Okay, so what's a high performer? Yes, so here's the thing to be thinking, and it's very simple. A high performer is a regular person who achieves above average results. And so if you think about it, would you say you're a high performer? By the way, I would say you are, David, but yes. a regular person. I would think I am. Who achieves above average results. So how do you do that? I mean, how would you say that happens? I think the time behind the scenes is as important as the time when you're actually on the job, right? Yeah. So I'm learning what I'm doing. I'm learning new things. I'm learning new softwares. I'm I'm just constantly trying to improve myself, reading right. more. Right. Um just wanting to be better at what I do. Yes, and, and how do you find those people? We are proud to be sponsored by Macu Health, a triple carotenoid formula that is the only one with mesozeaxanthin, lutein, and zeaxanthin. David and I have been using Macu Health in our practice for several years. We love it because it's patented with micromycelle technology. It's clinically proven to restore macular pigment. 
and supported by level one scientific evidence. So we have confidence that it works. And so there's three common characteristics and David definitely has those, but here are the ones as Carol lays them out. One is skill, two is passion, and three is attitude. And so we talk about passion and that's what Jim Collins was talking about in Good to Great. He was mm -hmm. basically saying, put the people that are passionate about working in one part of your practice in that part of the practice, because they could be, they could have awesome skills. They could be really good at one job but not be passionate about it, which means they're not a good person for that job because their passion will not come out. And attitude, attitude, we know all about the I can attitude, which is what Carol right. talks about all the time. And that I can attitude is what you have. And that is something where you hit an obstacle, which is anything that keeps you from doing what you intend to do. And instead of saying, eh, I can't do it and quitting, you look at it and say, I can do this, and you find a way. Right, power through. Exactly, and there's so many examples of that over time. I, I'm, again, older than some of you that might be listening, so we remember track stars. My sister was a uh, track star. She went to Florida State, had scholarship there. She ran the 100 meter, the 200. 200 and the 400. And the yeah. 400. Yes, Kelly, I'm sorry, I forgot that. And so you remember some of the stars, all the people that were famous all through time, and there's uh, new ones even now that you can read about. I was just reading about it in the Magnolia Magazine. But what's really incredible is they achieve something nobody thought was possible. And I don't mean this to make them look bad or feel bad, but it may not have been because they were just that much better. What was different about them? The hours of preparation and training and practice and, and their attitude. Yeah. They just believed they could do it right. when nobody else believed it. They felt like there was a barrier, somebody mm -hmm. else before them. Nobody had ever crossed it. So how in the world could I possibly do that? So we've talked about what makes a high achiever. And I love the idea of having an office full of them. By the way, d does anybody know? I mean, David's heard me talk about it over and over. But the graph that basically Stephen Covey shows, Carol talks about it in her book, what is the percentage of people in any business at any given time that is typically a high performer or high achiever? And you can use both of those those terms interchangeably. Do you remember me talking about it? Yeah, 20%. Isn't 20%. It? Basically the 80-20 rule. And it's actually, so you get 20% that are low, 60% that are average, and then 20% that are high. So one of the things David's heard me talk about in another course where we talk about success even in difficult times but we talk about the whole idea, the concept of how different your business could be if you could move the 60% in the middle that are just average to being high performers, high achievers. Right. And what a difference you could make in your practice. Yeah, absolutely. So if you think about the 20% that are up here and how much they get done and how much revenue they bring in for you and how much passion they have for the job, how do you get them all to be there? And I think the most challenging part is when you recognize and realize you've got the wrong people in the office, you've got the wrong people on the bus, and now what do you do? And we'll talk yep. about that one day, yeah, because that's not the fun part for sure. That's a whole course. But we would rather not get to that point. We'd rather hire the right people first. Yep. So how do we find out? I mean, I guess really the next step is who, who is the person with skill, passion, and the attitude? And, you know, I love the example in case people aren't believing us yet. And I, 
can tell you we've been doing this for years. It works. It's amazing. It makes your life so much better if you're consistently interviewing in a way to get those right people on the bus. But just think of yourself for a minute. You know, we got to think of examples in our life where you were faced with an obstacle nobody thought you could overcome. But because you believed it and because you knew it, I mean, there's so many. I can go back to a time, nobody thought I'd ever make it through optometry school. I'm the first one in my family that made it through that level of education. And what's beautiful about it is when I was done, my middle sister went through osteopathic school, so came right behind me and did it. And Janelle went to pharmacy school, Mm -hmm. PhD in pharmacy. So, I mean, it's incredible how you look at an obstacle and you just move forward. David's yeah. more athletic than I am. So your last uh, your last event, where was it? Uh, South Carolina, North Carolina. Yes. North Did you Carolina. think you were going to do So what was this? Tell us about it. Uh, it was the uh, Blood, Sweat, and Gears bike ride. 93 miles in the mountains of North Carolina. It was a race uh, about, what, two months ago, two and a half months ago. Did, so you, did you feel like you were going to make it the whole time? No. <laughs> about 90% of the time, I didn't think I was going to make it. But luckily, I had two guys that I was riding with, which pretty much they were a a good team for me. I don't know if I helped them at all, but they helped me. That's for sure. But you you just you you start pedaling and you just keep pedaling and you just know, okay, there's 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 definitely a top to this hill, but you just don't believe it when you're going up it. Yeah, but you had an I can attitude. You knew you were going to make it. You knew you knew that you could keep pushing through. And, And there's examples in sports. There's examples in life of, you know all along the way. And I would encourage all of you just kind of think back to those times in your life. All of you listening are high achievers, high performers. You know what it's like to hit an obstacle and be able to continue to move forward. And if you have an obstacle in front of you and you haven't, just do it. You can make it. Yep. But how do you get all of those people on your team? That's what it comes back to. So I think one of the biggest challenges we had at first is how do you even go after those people like what about the fact that you're not even getting people to apply for a job right so a couple ideas we have for you and uh, one of them is a card so you can create a card we have these business cards that uh, we put together they're called I'm impressed again Carol's idea so thank you Carol for that Mm -hmm. and it's a business card that you can give to somebody did you know the data I have the statistics here so we don't mess it up 64 percent of the workforce So research shows 64% of the workforce would consider moving jobs if approached. That's pretty crazy. Kind of sad. Sounds about like the last two and a half years. Yeah. If you asked me. So, I mean, really the great resignation is no big surprise. 64% of people wanted to leave anyway. And so now they just did it. Yeah. They did it because another opportunity came up or the benefit of moving on Let me say it a different way. This is the way dad says it all the time. He says, the pain of staying where you are is greater than the pain of moving on. And so that applies to anything pretty much in life. And they reached a point, these folks, where they said, nope, I'm going to do something different. Right. And if you think about it, I mean, what did COVID do? It it, it sent so many people home. Yeah. So many jobs became, I can do this from anywhere. I can do this from anywhere. I can do this from my car at the beach. I can do this from my house. I can do it from anywhere. I don't have to be locked to a desk we have two people that are working from their house and it works fabulously we we Mm kind of walk through what they need to do and they report back to us and they do a great job but remember 64 percent are looking or would move if recruited so i think the thing to do is don't don't go after your colleagues i don't do that 
I don't go after your employees' jobs. <laughs> I go after people that I know are great at customer service. And I, David and I tell them, you know what? You are awesome. We, and guess what? Even if they never call us, what a wonderful thing to tell somebody they did a great job and you're oh, impressed. Yeah. Oh yeah, whether you're shopping at uh, the local surf shop or if you're yeah. shopping at Nordstrom or if you're just wherever you're at, if you're at the local Starbucks and you see somebody that impresses you, that's those are the people that we're gonna go after yep. every time. But then they're in your office and now you've called them in for an interview. And, and let me just, before we get ourselves into any hot water, remind everybody there are rules uh, as far as the hiring process, and you have to abide by those basic rules, which are that it has to be a uh, very um, not subjective, but objective. It has to be fair and equitable to all, and you have to go through a consistent process with every applicant. So whatever it is for me, to interview you tomorrow, it'll be the same process with the next person. So let's just be clear about that. But once you have these, what uh, Carol says, once you fill the cup with applicants, now you filter them in, they come in, you can interview them on the phone, you can then interview them in person. You can create all kinds of very uh, creative ways to do that. Yep. But what has made the difference for us is understanding the skill, passion, and attitude part of the equation and then putting together questions that ask them specifically how they have done in past experience. Right. I won't, I think that one of the things that really was an aha moment for me when reading her book and looking at the information on her website back in the old days was the understanding that past experience or past behavior will dictate future behavior for most people. Yep. So if you can ask them about a past experience, and learn about that and know what they've done in the past by the questions you're asking, then you'll be able to very much understand how they're going to perform in your practice. So something like, tell me of, about think a, time. Of a time when yep. you did this, that or the other, or when yes. you made somebody excited or whatever it was. Yeah. So what, what you're saying, David, is, is exactly what she has recommended. And you can go through the whole process and understanding it better in her book. But she says, have questions that are very specific. So tell me about a specific time mm -hmm. when you, and then walk through an experience. Maybe it's a specific time when you made somebody or when somebody was late for an appointment, what did you do and what was the outcome? And every question she talks about how you need to phrase it, the, the way you need to put it together. So it's done perfectly and right. will get you to the results that you need. She talks about how to grade it and then how to come up with a common grading system yep. that will give you an answer as to whether or not this person is a match for your job mm -hmm. or not a match. I will tell you that what's incredible is when you know what you're looking for, when you know that you're looking for those regular people who can achieve above average results, you will go through the process a different way and you won't put up with anything else. And it's not because the other folks aren't good people. It's because they're just not a good fit for you in your practice. Which so, is good to know. Yeah. So hopefully it helps. We haven't given you all the answers. That's part of the understanding of it. Watch some of our courses. We'll talk about it more. But in a short podcast, I think really the take-home message is understand that we want to do what's right. We want to uh, make sure that we bring in the right people and get the right people on our team. It's not just for us, but it's for them. Right. I can no, tell you. Yeah, we want to, we want them to be way more happy than we are. Exactly. I mean, that's our goal. Our goal for our our staff and our team yeah. is to to really want to be there. We want them to show up and to be happy. They're showing up. Right. And 
That's you know, I think we can't we can't stop. We can't quit here. We got to tell everybody too. One of the things I think that stresses most of us out when interviewing is I talked about skill, passion, and attitude. Here's the thing. You may not find someone that has all three. So which of the two do you think are most important? And you might be surprised. The one that you can train is most likely skill. You cannot train passion and you cannot train attitude. They have to have those two and you can probably teach the rest. Now, I couldn't teach my doctor. She's awesome on her own. And she's, that's something you can't train somebody how to be a doctor. So don't get me wrong, but I can teach skill. I cannot teach passion and attitude. So that is our goal. We want to fill the cup full of applicants. And then we want to make sure that we have a process of interviewing that helps us to know what were their past behaviors that are going to predict their future behaviors. Are they going to truly be high performers? And if they're not, move on quickly because it's a waste of everybody's time. All right. So hopefully that's helped a little bit. We love you all. We want you to know that uh, this is for you. We, we hope that we can teach you from some of our mistakes and our learnings and share the things we've learned so that uh, you can do better. So we're going to stop with how to create an awesome team, but we're going to come back to you with now how to keep your awesome team in a future podcast. Thank you to NeuroLens for being a sponsor of our podcast. We have really appreciated having the option of NeuroLens for our patients in our practice. At least two-thirds of people experience the symptoms of eye misalignment, and that number grows as we continue to shift to remote work and learning. The symptoms of headaches, eye strain, dry eyes, and neck pain, eye fatigue, even motion sickness can be extreme. Even small misalignments can cause painful symptoms and even small prism correction can provide dramatic relief. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Opt In with Dr. April Jasper.